0: Hey friends, welcome to the Altitude Collective podcast, an elevated conversation on a wide-ranging group of topics geared to connecting you with thought, faith, dreams, and each other. I'm your host, Miko Seymour, and in each episode, I hope you feel a sense of fresh air, fun, and a deeper understanding that we are all in this together so i launched this podcast last week with the hope that it would make a small difference in the lives of listeners and the response has actually been really really overwhelming i've gotten emails and texts and social media posts all about how you connected so much with carissa's story and have picked up nuggets that you plan on using in your everyday life honestly that is what it is all about for me so thank you so much for Uh, listening to our first episode last week. On today's episode, I'm talking with Daniel Gray, a pastor turned evangelist, and in this conversation, Daniel walks us through the decision to leave a seemingly comfortable life, comfortable job, where a paycheck was all but guaranteed to living a life preaching on the road. He's got a wife and two beautiful children, and that decision to go on the road was monumental. But before we get to our guest today, I want to begin the episode with something I've been thinking about lately, neighboring. This past Tuesday, launch day for the Altitude Collective actually, I got word from my neighbor in my building that there was a fire and people were being evacuated. Yep, like full on fire, fire trucks and everything. Ambulances, like literally everything. It turns out that an apartment on my floor caught on fire. No one was injured, which is really, really good. We're really thankful for that. Our stuff here in our apartment was all good. But the thing that I remember most about Tuesday was the fact that I've got some really good neighbors. It's interesting how the world can seem so dark and lost. Civility is shattered, rhetoric being hateful and divisive. But when you really drill down deep into your own locality, In situations like this, we've still got each other's backs. My neighbor, neighbors, I should say, kept me posted about what was going on at our building while I was at work trying to get home. They offered to get our cat and a slew of other small but significant offers. These acts were happening all over the place in my building. And I'm just really, really thankful for neighboring and neighboring well. Take a look around. Who's your neighbor? Who do you come into contact with every single day? Who can you help make their lives better? What small acts of kindness can you do? What phone calls should you make? What text message should you send out? Let's neighbor well. We'll be right back. Well, hello, everybody. I am really, really excited for you to hear this conversation. Uh, My good friend Daniel Gray is with us today on the episode. Daniel, how are you doing? Hey, what's up, Miko? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here with you. Um, In case there are people who do not know who you are, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Tell us all about you and what we need to know about you. Oh, man. Well, what do
1: I say? Uh, I guess, first and foremost, um, you're good friend. We've uh, known each other now for quite a number of years and had yeah. the opportunity to work together. Um, I uh, worked in student ministry and young adult ministry for a number of years at a few different churches. And one of those churches uh, here in the Atlanta area, the church at Chapel Hill over in Douglasville, where I first met you. Uh, and we got to work together for a few years and, uh, that was really awesome. So that's kind of my, my backstory, uh, of, of ministry and, and what I do now, my, my, uh, I guess, role in ministry has recently changed. I'm no longer pastoring in a, in a role in a local church, but I've now shifted my focus, so to speak, to traveling as an evangelist, as an itinerant speaker. And that's become really my focus right now in the season of my life is traveling and encouraging people in the body of Christ, encouraging people in church, uh, lots of youth stuff, camps, conferences, conventions. And so uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And it's really exciting. And my family and I are really enjoying this season. Yeah. Awesome. Tell us about your family. I am married to a beautiful, bodacious woman uh, named Heather. And Heather is a uh, An incredible, incredible wife to me. I mean, any, any woman who would be forced into the role of being married to me, (laughs) (laughs) But, but Heather does an amazing job, not just being my wife, but being the mother of our two children who are the absolute joy of my life. So we have two kids. Zion is my son. He's five. He'll be six very soon. And Gracelyn wow. is my daughter. She's four, and she will be five very soon. So we have two wow. kids. They are 53 weeks apart. So wow. just a little over a year apart, a year and one week apart, exactly.
0: And um, and God has been really good to us, and we're enjoying life. Based on your social media, I've noticed that you've started to— um, do a little grilling outside or smoking meats outside. Is that right?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. I, (laughs) I became aware of this device called a Traeger. Okay. Now a Traeger is a brand, first of all. So there are other brands out there, but it's a, it's a pellet smoker. So it's not a grill, but it's this, it's actually electric. So unlike, you know, like a big green egg or other, you know, brands or kinds of smokers or grills, it, it, it actually plugs into power, and it has, a, it has this device that pulls in these wood pellets. And so there's different flavors. You can use like uh, hickory or maple or apple, and these wood pellets catch on fire. And inside of this smoker, they, they, you can set the temperature just like an electric oven. And so if you want to uh-huh. slow cook, like ribs or pork shoulder or beef brisket, I just felt the Holy Ghost. And you can set it on a low temperature and you can actually just, you know, set it and forget it. Essentially, you can set the meat, you can walk away, you can go shopping and come back six hours later and open up this awesome device that God gave us and find yourself some awesome meat. And I have been using this over the past several weeks because I've never been much of a cook. You know, my wife is an incredible cook. Not only is she good at it, but she actually enjoys it. So God blessed me. (laughs) But (laughs) the fact that she enjoys it, I don't really have to cook much because she always has a plan and has things going on. But as I've started like putting meat on this grill, uh, this, this pellet smoker, I mean, it's just gotten me so many brownie points with her. So I just it makes it seem like I'm working really hard. But actually, you just put the meat on there and walk away and come back and
0: it's done. So it's awesome. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. I got to tell you, uh, we were hanging out with some friends last night and um, Justin Timberlake was in town. He had a concert here on Wednesday night. And so uh, our friends were they were showing us their their videos and pictures of the concert. And they they actually were sitting extremely close uh, to the stage. And and so when I was watching the videos, like JT comes out and, you know, he's doing his thing. And I just got just I don't know, like flashes of wait a second. Why does Justin Timberlake look so much like Daniel Gray? (laughs) And I just like I kept thinking about it, kept telling people about it. Um, you had an obsession though, right? With JT.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this, (laughs) is this an obsession that I somehow forgot about? Oh, I knew what I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, so first of all, let me just go back to what, when you mentioned him, I was thinking to myself, oh no, he's going to say that there's resemblance there because for whatever reason, the past six months, I have heard People tell me like people that I mean, random people have walked up to me and be like, has anyone ever told you, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? That I look like JT. And it's kind of like kind of makes me uncomfortable because, you know, I mean, I guess he you know, he, I mean, yeah, I guess it's a compliment. He's a good looking guy, you know, but my obsession with him goes back to not necessarily just like his music or anything like that, but it's his his Saturday Night Live material. I think he is such a brilliant entertainer, but my obsession with him is all about the things that he would do when he would do his comedy and just his random stuff. Anything he does with Jimmy Fallon is like my favorite, you know, you get those two together, their chemistry. So yeah, I just think he's an incredible entertainer. i um, not, I mean, I'm not knocking his music, but I don't like drive around in my car and listen to
0: his music or anything like that. I just think he's an, he's an incredible entertainer. Well, Daniel, I, you know, I wanted to have you on the show uh, because I want to talk about uh, the idea of stepping out uh, recently and you you sort of mentioned this kind of in your intro. Uh, the ministry kind of took on a new um, kind of a new focus uh, within the last year. and um, I want to kind of walk through your decision making on that and and what that what that means even right now for you and your family, what that means for for the future. But before we get into that, um, I love your story of how you came to know Jesus um, maybe tell the listeners a brief uh, snippet of uh, of that story yeah
1: absolutely and I'll do my best to kind of give the readers' digest version of that if you will yeah. I uh, early on maybe 13 years old I really started... Dabbling in drugs. I mean, that that young, uh, marijuana and and wanting to get into alcohol. And I was just kind of what you would call or refer to, I guess, as a troubled teenager. And so, over the next couple years, that just kind of became what I wanted to do. I just wanted to party. You know, I was very influenced by by music and by the, you know, as I alluded to earlier, I was really into hip hop, I was into rap. In fact, that was kind of like a hobby of mine was making and creating this hip hop music. So that whole world uh, back back in those days, you know, I'm 33 now, so back when, you know, this is 18 years ago, a lot of the rap was about, you know, uh, they called it gangster rap and it was about, mm-hmm. you know, drugs and girls and partying and power and money and guns. And so that whole thing really influenced me and that's what I wanted. And so So you could find me at 16 years old, standing on the other side of the street as a high school dropout, waiting on school to get out with a nine millimeter in my waist and with a wad of cash in my pocket and with drugs on somebody else on the other side of the store, because that's what I started to do at 15, 16 years old. I was selling drugs. I was, you know, I dropped out of high school because I realized I could make enough money on the street just to, just to party and just to pay somebody rent to let me live at their house. And, and, and that was kind of like the, the direction that my life was headed in. I I was just completely into partying and drugs and alcohol. And, Man, through all that, my decisions led to a lot of drama and um, a lot of trouble with police. And long story short, I, after going to, uh, you know, jail a, a couple times, I, I was incarcerated for the very first time actually when I was 15. I had just turned 15 years old for a, a list of crimes that I that I <laughs> that I got arrested for. Uh, everything from vandalism to grand larceny to uh, you know public drunkenness. I mean my life just really started spinning out of control. Uh, but one night I left a party, um, I was intoxicated and I'd been up all night. It was, uh, you know, drugs, you know, alcohol, pills. And it was about 5am and I decided to get my keys and get in my car and drive. When I got in my car and, and left this party, I only made it about a mile down the road, down this highway when I lost consciousness at the wheel of my car because of actually alcohol poisoning and a drug overdose. And uh, when I lost consciousness, I veered into this, uh, median in between these two highways, this four lane highway with a median in between the, the, each two lane and, uh, My car flipped several times. I landed in a ditch next to this small creek. And uh, when the paramedics arrived at the scene of my accident and they began to try to get me out of my car, one of them noticed that I stopped breathing. They checked my pulse and they noticed that my pulse was gone. So they literally had to get me out of my car as fast as they could, put me into the back of an ambulance, They had to shock me. They had to perform CPR on me and they got my pulse back. They got me uh, breathing again. And so I literally died in this car accident and these paramedics revived me at the scene of the accident, rushed me to the hospital. And I lived through that. The next morning I woke up and the nurse told me what had happened. And I was, you know, To be honest with you, I know this sounds strange, but I really didn't care. Like when she told me that I died and they revived me, like I didn't care. All I wanted to do was get out of the hospital so I could go party some more. And that's really a snapshot of my life that I really didn't have a sense of purpose or direction. I didn't care that I died because I didn't honestly realize I had a reason to live. So I just kept on going down this path. And it was about six months later that one of my closest friends at another party got into a fight with his younger brother who was another one of my closest friends and in the middle of that he he runs inside this house uh where we were partying and gets a gun he he takes the gun and he doesn't point it at anybody else he takes the gun because he put it to his own head and he ended his life and in a moment my friend was gone and i I had no chance to say stop wait what are you doing you know he you know he pulled the trigger and he was gone that Miko is what sent me into probably the the darkest part of my life. Uh, I was so depressed. I was so uh, lost is the best way I can explain it. And after his funeral, um, my friend, after his funeral, I I had an encounter with God. I mean, honestly, there's no other way. (laughs) There's no other phrase I could use to explain what what happened to me. I didn't have a, a pastor or a preacher or a church or anything like that. It was just me in my bedroom. And I just had this moment where I felt these questions, you know, like, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? And somehow I just knew that this was God trying to get my attention. And that day in my bedroom, I said to God, I said, God, if you're real, then I'm going to come after you. And I didn't know how to say like, you know, what we call the sinner's prayer. I didn't know how to do any of that. I just said, God, I felt like I heard God. I said, God, if you're real, I'm going to come after you. I called uh, someone in Atlanta who's a family member and I said, hey, I'm ready to change my life. And and they and that person said, we've been praying for you. (laughs) And and I moved to Atlanta from where I was at that time. And that was the beginning of my journey with God. I got to Atlanta. I went to a church, I gave my life to Christ. I began to worship. I began to pray all these things I had never thought I would ever do. I mean, I would have been voted least likely to go to church if there was a thing in high school. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I not only went to church, but that I got so passionate about this God that I felt like was, was capturing my life. And then I had the realization that The grace of God was so powerful that not only would he forgive me for all the horrible things that I had done, but that he would actually use those things. And I remember getting this revelation when I was about 18, 19 years old, that God would use those very things that the the devil tried to use, that God would use those things in my life so that I could help other people. And that's the first time I began to feel that I was called to ministry and that there was a purpose behind all the pain and all of the hardship and all of the struggle that I went through in my life, that God was going to use that in me, through me to help others. And so, yeah, that's kind of the backstory of how I came to God and how I first stepped foot into church.
0: Yeah. And so, um, at, at some point, you know, you, you stepped into, to full-time ministry. What does that kind of look like in the past.
1: Yeah. Well, when I, when I went to that church, the really cool thing about this church is God knew what he was doing. You know, he, he planted me into this church that, uh, they actually had a Bible college and an internship. So through this Bible college internship, I was able to actually get my degree in biblical studies and practical ministry. And that was a two-year process. And, uh, through that two-year process, I got a four-year degree so I got to learn the Bible. I got to learn about other religions. I got to learn how to defend my faith. I got to learn how to preach. I got to learn how to pastor and shepherd people. And as soon as I was done with that, when I graduated and got my degree, I got hired at that church uh, to be uh, part-time in the in the youth ministry there. And through that part-time position, uh, I was able to really uh, get my start, so to speak, in in, in ministry. And so After that part-time role, eventually that part-time role became a full-time role. And after doing that for about three years, Heather and I got an opportunity to go to uh, a large church up in the Chicago area. Mm -hmm. So I went to Chicago for three years, and we youth pastored there uh, uh, at a church uh, on the northwest side, northwest suburbs of Chicago. And then after that three-year period... Uh, My wife got pregnant with our first child and we uh, felt in our heart it was time to come back to Atlanta. And that's when we came back and we landed at uh, the Church of Chapel Hill where I first met you and where I first met your wife, Simone, Mm. and where I met Mm. so many of my close friends uh, in my life today. And so we went through three years of student ministry at the Church of Chapel Hill, leading this large, thriving, growing student ministry, largely in due to your leadership and your service and all the things that you had done before I even got there, then you and I being able to work together and having a, I can't believe sometimes, bro, we had a, we had a staff. Like we there was, yeah. there was like, I mean, what youth pastor gets a staff? Like we had, yeah. we had four people like on staff mm-hmm. and, and eventually mm-hmm. we had six, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that that's crazy to me. So we had such an incredible time, uh, serving in the student ministry there. And then after that three-year process, I kind of shifted into, it seems like God has always had me do things in three years, three-year mm-hmm. increments. I mean, every time it's been three years. Uh, I don't know if that's coincidence. And I don't know if I believe in coincidences, uh, but after the three years of student ministry, I began to kind of shift my focus to uh young adults but also uh, more of more of an executive role at the church there serving on the executive leadership team, the senior leadership team there at the church, uh, really helping the lead pastor uh, with with events and with formulating messages and content for series and just kind of more overarching vision and leadership for the church. So that was really fun, exciting time for me uh, the last three years being able to serve in that capacity at the church.
0: So w- let's go back to Chicago. What's one of the you, one of the biggest lessons you you learned while you were uh, in ministry up there wow I think this is this is
1: this is a hard question not because I didn't learn a lot it's a hard question because I learned so much mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and mm-hmm. honestly, a lot of uh, the reason why I say it that way is because it was a lot of trial and error. I learned that God will put you in a place that you're not ready for and he'll give you grace. I learned that God will allow you to be in a position because I was at a mega church a- in my early 20s. Uh, yeah. Leading a youth ministry at, at a church that had a worldwide ministry, worldwide television ministry, worldwide reach. You know, um, it, and, and international church, I learned that God will place you in positions where you are really getting in over your head. Um, But it gives you an opportunity to have to to depend on him, his grace, his strength, his knowledge. It gives you an opportunity to realize you don't have it all together and you're not ready for the next level. But it really made me press in. It made me be a learner, not just trying to be a leader. It made me be a learner. I was constantly studying and, and learning from other youth pastors and traveling to other youth ministries. I, I remember when I, f- one of the first things I did when I got to Chicago was uh, I, I hit up uh, a pastor. His name is Pastor Joel Stockstill. I traveled to go and and spend a few days with him because he had the largest youth ministry in America at the time. And, yeah. you know, when I got to this mega church, I I, I thought, well, I, I need to go learn from somebody who knows what they're doing because I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And, and so through that season in Chicago, it was a lot of learning. I, I I honestly, and I don't want you or any of the listeners to take this the wrong way, but I honestly look at my, my, my role in Chicago as, as, kind of like going to school, you know, I, sure. I, I, I got a degree and all of that. But then when I went to Chicago for that three year period of pastoring this youth ministry, I look back now and I realized it was, it was God's training ground for me. It was God's mm. way of, of letting me learn through failure, letting me have a little success, but letting me learn so much because a lot of, a lot of what Chicago entailed for me and Heather was, was challenges. I mean, For us, the the very first time to get away from our families, to go to a new place, to just we 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 paid our, you know, our our deposit and everything on our on our condo, our apartment (laughs) before we ever even stepped foot in the building. Like it was all such a. And a walk of faith, a step of faith for us. Yeah. And that season was so much learning for us. It's like, I got my, you know, my bachelor's degree when I was in college, but it's, I feel, I feel like I got my master's degree in ministry just by going to Chicago for three years and serving in that capacity because <laughs> I learned so much.
0: Yeah. Now you were talking about how things kind of happen to you, you know, in threes. And I'm wondering in those transitions that you've had, um, Was it difficult to transition in and out, um, in these different seasons for you?
1: I, I honestly think the best way I can answer that question is for me, no, for Heather, yes. Okay. because I, my personality is I love change. I I, I get bored very easily. Um, I'm very random abstract. You know, you know that about me. <laughs> yeah. I'm very all over the place. I'm very, let's go to the next thing. Like, what are we waiting for? You know, that's just who I am sometimes to a fault where I annoy others. And I'm very cognizant of that. But For me, my transitions have been really easy Uh, to transition my my first transition in ministry to go from the youth ministry where I got my start to Chicago was the most exciting thing I had ever done. I remember finding this opportunity in Chicago and and mentioning it to Heather and her telling me, absolutely not. You are crazy. You have lost your mind. I am not going to Chicago. (laughs) That is ridiculous. You know? And, and, and a few days after that, she walked into, she walks into the living room and I'm in there like studying and preparing for something. And, and the, my my background on my laptop, you know, the background was a, a city was a was a picture of the city of Chicago. And she walked by and goes, are you kidding me right now? Get that off of your background. You don't need that. We're not going there. Just give it up. And, uh, you know, she said, I am never going to Chicago. Here's a little hint. Never say never. Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Cause it was, right.
1: Because uh, it was only a few days later. She came to me and she said, hey, I feel like God spoke to me this morning. As I was praying, and said, "Don't say no, because what if I'm calling you there?" And so she kind of had a shift, and uh, and she felt like, "Let's go for it." And here's what's funny: once we got to Chicago, and we and we did three years of of hard work and new relationships and serving in this church that we absolutely fell in love with. When I when we found out we were pregnant, and I felt like it's time to go back to Georgia. Heather was like, absolutely not. We're not leaving. I love Chicago. I love the city. I love the food. Oh, my gosh. I love Magnificent Avenue. I love, you know, she was like, I'm never going back. And uh, this is kind of the same scenario. But me, I was excited. I'm like, let's get out of here. Let's go back. It's going to be awesome. I could smell the Georgia pine trees. I could feel the warmth of the sun on the golf course. You know, I was ready to go back to Uh Georgia. And she was not. But uh, so I guess to answer your question, my transitions, for the most part, for me, are are, 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 are pretty easy, maybe compared to, uh, you know, others, because it's just my personality. I love to change. I love to okay. shift. Yeah.
0: Okay. Heather, so I got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So now you've transitioned into what would you call it full-time traveling ministry and uh and 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 how did you come to that decision
1: yeah well as far as what you would call it i would say i'm an evangelist in the truest most simplest way to explain it i am an evangelist when i became a christian and i took a spiritual gifts profile test which for all the listeners If you've never taken one of these, please do it because it is so helpful Mm -hmm. and enlightening. There's a lot of personality tests out there that you can do online and they're really cool. But there's something about taking a spiritual gifts profile or a spiritual gifts assessment because it takes all of the spiritual gifts and it it helps you kind of like a personality test. It helps you find what is it, you know, when you come into a relationship with God and and the Holy Spirit, what spiritual giftings do you have? Well, I remember when I took Mm -hmm. that test For the very first time, um, a long time ago, evangelism was not only was it the highest gift for me, but it was it was so high it couldn't get any higher. Like every question in the test that had something to do uh, with with with, you know, if you answered it this way on the ABCD or whatever, you know, on the multiple choice it would, it would hit evangelism. Well, evangelism was as, as, as high as it could go. So I've always known that that was what God had, had really called me to. And and I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? That, you Mm -hmm. know, with, with, with my whole thing of how transitions have been easy for me that, you know, I I, I I like to change scenery. I like to go to new places. Yeah. I like to see new people. I, as an evangelist, that's kind of what you're called to. You're called to, to go to those who are lost. Well, usually in church world, in the body of Christ, if you're going to the lost, if you're going to to people who don't know him, usually you're going outside of your norm. You're going outside of your environment. Um, now I'm not always going out to, 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 you know, to like crusades in the middle of a desert somewhere, you know, where people are, they don't know, they don't know God. They're just coming to an event and it's not, it's not like I'm Billy Graham or anything like that, but I do go to new places all the time. I'm always traveling. I'm always jumping around. So for me, I feel like I'm in my comfort zone right now, but I also have a huge element of not being in my comfort zone. And I could talk about that in a minute. But as an evangelist, as a communicator, I I also enjoy this new role because I've always felt like that I really feel like I'm in my, my zone. I'm really doing what I'm called to do when I'm preaching. And when I'm praying for people at an altar, when they've decided to come and and receive prayer or make a spiritual commitment get, to give their lives to Christ, I've always felt like I'm in my flow, like I'm in my zone more than any other time when I'm ministering. And when I say ministering, I mean preaching and praying for people and counseling people. I, I've always felt like that's my flow. That's my zone. So I've gotten to the place in my, in my, I guess you would say calling or career where I've now, I now have the ability that I can sustain that just in focusing on that. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm a full-time evangelist. I'm also a full-time itinerant speaker. Uh, I do a lot of speaking obviously with, with churches, uh, conferences, events, camps. I also I've had the opportunity over the last decade to do a lot of stuff with sports teams and the NCAA and the NFL and served for 10 seasons as a chaplain, actually, with the Falcons. And that opened a lot of doors for me. So uh, I just love to, to, to communicate and to lead people into a relationship with Jesus. It's my passion.
0: Yeah. And so how have you, have there been any struggles uh, in the past few months since, since the new transition?
1: Yeah. And that kind of goes back to how I said I was in my comfort zone, but I was also in some ways out of it because, you know, I mean, let's just be real practical. When you're working for a church, you have a paycheck. And in most, most scenarios, at least that I've been in, you are going to have a check that's going to, okay, here, let me just make it plain and practical for me for, for all of the years that I served on a staff in a church i had a check that would auto deposit into my bank account every two weeks like for 10 right. years straight i always had a check never skipped uh, uh you know never missed one and so i knew feeling the call to go into this full-time evangelism, I knew that I was going to be stepping out of the comfort zone of knowing that there is going to be a check for the exact same amount that is going to hit my bank account every two weeks. And, and when you are a husband and a father and you have a mortgage and you have bills, you know, let's just be practical and, and let's just be real. Like you, you got to make sure you're good. You know, I have responsibilities yeah. So I knew stepping right. away from that, that was going to be a real step of faith um, to to just believe and to trust that what I'm going to do as an evangelist and as, uh, you know, uh, an itinerant minister, that that is going to be um, enough for me and enough for our family that we would be able to. Uh, you know take care of everything and pay what we need to pay and uh, you know so i guess the money side of it really was one of the one of the big um, tests of faith like do i trust that god is my provider because to be honest with you no church that's ever hired me or had me on their payroll was my provider now that's not a knock on them mm-hmm. they would say the same thing if they if they believe like we believe you know like God is mm-hmm. our provider. The, he's the source. The check was the resource. He's the mm-hmm. source. The, 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 the amount that was continually hitting my bank account was just a resource. And so God, if God used a church or an auto-deposited check to take care of me, then God could use whatever he wanted to use as long as I was faithful. And Miko, the thing that, that really became my life verse in the last year of really knowing that this is what I was going to do, that I was called to take this step to go full-time encouraging the body of Christ, traveling as a speaker, as an evangelist. The verse that stuck with me was without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yeah, and I just felt like I needed to use my faith in some new areas i needed to use my Mm -hmm. faith and trust him and you know i just kind of felt like if i don't step out of the boat how will i ever see the miracle of walking on water um and it's not about you know maybe that's a bad analogy it's not like i'm walking on water but the reason why peter not just jesus the reason why peter walked on water is because he had enough faith to step out of the boat and always not we always knock him because he sank but he also walked on water (laughs)
0: Yeah. So I'm not right. going to let
1: the fear of if I fail or if I fall stop me from stepping out and seeing a miracle that that I believe that God called me to see and experience. So, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been awesome. It's been so, now that I'm, you know, several months in now, uh, walking in my fifth month, almost a ha- it's hard to believe almost six months now of doing this full time. Uh, I've just seen God absolutely blow our minds. I mean. Not just the financial side of it. I mean, that's 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 just a piece of it that he's provided for us. Right. And that he's given us what we need. Uh, It's not about that. It's about the opportunities. It's about the open doors. It's about the little things. I think the little hints, the little hints that God sends me, the little secrets that he whispers in my ear to remind me that he is that he's pleased by my faith that I have stepped out and I made him smile. I made him happy as my father. I did what he was calling me to do. And, uh, and all of the other things, just, they take care of themselves. So it's been awesome, man. I love it. It's been so fun.
0: Yeah. I love the idea. Um, just to go back a little bit where you said "I, I just needed to, I need to exercise my faith. Kind of in in some new ways i love that idea i think um it's it's interesting i i view that you know from a leadership standpoint especially in the in the uh in the church world where you know we get so comfortable kind of doing the same old same old mm-hmm. um dream still dreaming about what can be but only doing the same things that we have been doing um can you elaborate a little bit on what that looks like? Uh, you know, exercising your faith in new ways. Why, why did you feel that prompting in the first place? Well, I think, you know, one of the
1: best ways I can explain this is as doors opened for me, I, I had to ask myself, God, why did you open this door? And right. the more the more doors that opened in a specific area, the more i need to ask god why are you opening these doors and i had just a hunch that if you're continuing to expand this maybe this is a sign to me that this is where you're calling me to go and if i'm Mm. truly going to be obedient then i need to go in this direction i need to walk through these doors and here's what i think will cripple whether people are in ministry at a church or people are working at a job right. for a boss, right. what will cripple people from ever stepping out and doing something new is really quite simple. It's, it's, it's a simple word just like faith. In fact, it even starts with the same letter. It's fear. The fear Mm. of what if I fail, the fear of what if they don't like what I have to offer, the fear of what if this doesn't happen for me? If I try, what will people think? All of those fears cripple us from stepping out in faith. And I think the opposite um, of of love is fear. I think a lot of people think the Mm. opposite of faith is fear. But I love that verse that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Oh, okay, so you got faith mm-hmm. and you got pleasing God. Well, those things go together. But there's another verse that says this. It says, perfect love casts out all fear.
0: Yeah.
1: Now think about fear. that. Perfect love. That means all love. Okay, perfect means it's complete. Especially in Scripture, the words perfect and complete, they go hand in hand. So perfect love. So all love cancels out all fear. And I had this revelation as I was getting ready to really take this step and I was right on the edge of of, of making the final decision, that every decision we make in life, we base it on either love or fear. And I made a decision. I'm not going to base my decisions in life on the fears of what won't happen or what if this doesn't work. Or, or, or what if I don't measure up or what if I can't provide, I'm going to make my decisions based on love. So here's my encouragement to any of the listeners who want to really take something away from what I've learned just this past year is this base your decisions on what you're going to do, where you're going to go, what you're going to say, what role you're going to serve in, what, what job you're going to take, what creatives, uh, what creatives want to do, but they're not doing, you know, those, those, those dreams, those ideas, don't let the fear of what if I fail keep you where you are. Don't base a decision on fear, base it on love. So do you love to be a content creator on YouTube? Then base right. your decision right. on the love for your passion and for what you really want to do, not on the fear of what if my boss hates me for making this decision. You know, what if they never forgive me? What if I don't, you know, make enough money? Listen, you got you got to make your decision. Base your decision on the love that you have for God, the love that you have for the passions that are in your heart, the love that you have for the people that you want to serve, not on the fear of what won't happen. The reason why there are gifted men and women in corporate America sitting in the same chair, in the same desk in the same office or the same cubicle, and they've been there for 20 years is not because they don't have more to offer. It's just because there is a fear that keeps them there. Rather than the love, maybe let's just think about the secretary in, in, in corporate America that sits in the same desk in the same. And maybe she loves her job. And if she loves her job and, and, and that's what her passion is, that's great. But there are some that I really believe that are like me, that you've been sitting in a place in a season for a purpose. But God began to shift something in you and you have this idea, this passion. Then you have a decision to make. Am I going to stay here because people will hate me if I try this? Maybe, maybe that secretary sitting in that desk has a passion to start a clothing line. Like secretly, that's Mm -hmm. what she really wants to do. Like she's got a, that's at night when she's sitting at home on the couch, she's not just watching Netflix. She's on the computer. She's looking at design. She's creating things. And maybe nobody knows, but her that that's what she really wants to do. Fear will keep it a hobby. But the love and the passion for that thing will make it a career and a job and a, and a source of income. But you got to be you got to be willing to take a step of faith and say, because I love this thing so much, I'm going to trust that it's going to be a source for me. And and you've heard me say this. and I'll share this part and I'll shut up. <laughs> I think I think another thing that 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 will really help people is is understanding that in different seasons of your life, you have vocation and avocation. A vocation is what pays you. An avocation is what you enjoy. It's like a hobby. And what I've tried to do is if I have a vocation that's paying me, what, what avocations do I have that I want to pay me as well? That I want to become a, a, a resource for me. And so for for, for a long time, my, my my vocation was a youth pastor. My avocation was an evangelist. It was something that I wanted to do. It was something that I did on the side every now and then. I would get an opportunity to go somewhere to a conference or, or something as a speaker. But but I really, really enjoyed that. So I would study and I would learn and I would watch other communicators. And that's what I really wanted to do. But I had to be faithful in my position and my job. And so that's my vocation. But my goal was to always make my avocation become my vocation. And so now as an evangelist, my, my vocation is being an t- itinerant speaker. But my avocations are a YouTuber, an author, a content creator, You know, so these things that are over here that are really more hobbies for me right now, they're not necessarily providing money for me, but I'm doing them in in hopes that the things that I'm doing that I really enjoy doing will somehow also become a source for me down the road.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Uh, What would you say to, you know, to. To those guys, to those gals who, you know, they're they're looking at your your Instagram, which is awesome, your YouTube, which is amazing. I love what you're doing over there, basically taking us, you know, on on these trips with you. And that's so much fun to watch. What would you say to those that are looking at that and they're they're thinking, man, I I want to do that. I can do that. Daniel Gray is living his best life right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to step into that, you know, tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and be Daniel Gray. What would you say to, to that person? Well, first of all, social media
1: is a highlight reel and let's not forget that. So, uh, you know, what you see on YouTube, what you see on Instagram is, is going to be for the most part, what we want everybody to see. It's not going to be you know yeah. the the two weeks that I'm sitting at home with nowhere to preach. You know, and 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 I'm and I'm mm-hmm. kind of like figuring out what do I do with my life. You know, like that doesn't get a vlog necessarily. Maybe it should. Maybe I should do that. Uh, but I, I guess that's my first thing is like anybody's social media. You're, you're just seeing their good side. You're just seeing the highlights. And a lot of times we 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 don't really. Know what it takes to be that person i 'm not even speaking about myself at all yeah. i 'm saying I do the same thing. I look on Instagram, I look on YouTube, I look at Twitter, I watch preachers on on t v and and it 's like they don 't even have to try and they got twenty thousand followers they got a hundred thousand views on their youtube you know sermons like i yeah. i 'm not at that level, and so it 's really easy for me to see that and think like I could do that, I can be that. I got to remember that God has me on my journey and at my speed and that someone else's speed is not mine. And so I have to trust and I would encourage the listeners to just trust that whatever pace he has you on, as long as you are being faithful and you are making him and his call in your life more important than anybody's Instagram or social media feed and what you think you can do or what you deserve based on your gift or your talent Or what you have to offer as long as God is in the center of that and you're being faithful to him he will put you where you need to be in the perfect timing and I know that there are things that I want to do right now that if God gave it to me right now if I'm not ready for it it would actually not be a blessing it would be a curse And so Mm. I just try to be honest with myself that, you know, maybe some of the things I feel like I should be doing right now, maybe I just need to stay on the journey that God has me on and learn what I need to learn so that when I do get those things, I'm more prepared because I heard someone say this one time and it stuck with me. You, you, when you're in obscurity and you're not where you want to be, maybe you're, you're an influencer, whether that's whether that's through, you know, doing creative content or whether that's being a preacher or a pastor or whatever. A lot of times we despise being in obscurity and where we're not getting the same amount of attention as the people that we're looking up to and looking out to. But obscurity, here's what I heard someone say. Obscurity is the dark room of the divine. And you never want to be overexposed, but underdeveloped. And so while we're in God's dark room and he's doing what he needs to do in our lives, we're getting to the place that when we are exposed and when we are put on the platform, we'll be fully developed and we'll be ready for what it is he has for us. So I just try to not despise where I am because of my jealousy or, or, or envy of people who are where I think I could be or where I think I should be. I try to just say, God, I trust that you have me in this place, in this time, in this season. And quite honestly, if God wants to promote me or God wants to promote anyone who's listening, he can do it like in a moment, like what takes us 10 years in a career, God can do in 10 seconds you know god can promote someone something can happen something can fall into your lap an opportunity and it could absolutely catapult you to levels that you thought would take you 10 years to get to the question is is when you get that will you be prepared for it because maybe if we don't put enough i guess attention into preparation we, we won't really get what it is that we think we deserve because we didn't take the time to prepare for it. And God's, I feel like God is saying to us, to me, to the listeners, you got to prepare because preparation is really using your faith. If you're preparing for something and yeah. not just hoping that it's going to happen and wondering when it's going to happen, but if you're actually preparing for what you can't fully see, realized in front of you right now, then that shows me that you really think you're
0: going to get it. And so I'm going to give it to you in the perfect timing. How, you know, as you focus in on what what God is calling you to do and and executing on that, you know, as a as a married man and as a father, how do you take your family along that journey? Yeah.
1: Well, man, this has been really exciting um, since I've transitioned. I for you know, the past several years, my, my travel and my speaking has really, you know, gone to another level. And so, and, and, and you know, you know, this about me, we're really close. We work a lot together. So, you know, that my schedule has been I I had a full time role at a church, but I was beginning to really feel like I had a full time role traveling and speaking. So uh, one of the coolest things as it pertains to my family is, you know, for the past several years, I've kind of been on this dual role, you know, where I have a full time job at a church that's thriving and growing and demanding. But I also have this this thing over here that's also thriving and demanding. So when I'm done working. Uh, you know, the four or five days a week at the church. And then I got the weekend. Then I get on a plane and I go fly somewhere and I'm speaking for two days and I come back and I don't really have a day off with my family because I'm going right back to the office, you know, on Monday. Well, now what I've really enjoyed is, is that Contrary to what maybe some people on the outside would think about me being a full time evangelist, I actually have more time with my family now uh, because not all the trips that I'm doing require me to be away for an extended period of time. Uh, Several of the several of the Mm -hmm. events that I do every month are just going somewhere for a couple of days and coming home. And then when I'm home for three or four days at a time, I can, I can really work my own schedule and I can spend more. I can take Zion to school. I can pick up Graceland from school. I can take my little girl on a daddy daughter yeah. date in the middle of the day on a Wednesday afternoon. Like it's been so exciting for us that I've had more time with my family because I've been so busy. I've been working so hard the past several years trying to do two things at once. And now that I have focused on this one arena, this one role. Um, I've, I've had a lot more time with my fam. So Heather rarely travels with me when I go to minister somewhere. But there are there are certain things that she'll be able to go with me on. And that's really fun um, as well. I think my kids have been really blessed, though, that I get more time with them, even in the mornings, you know, if I want to, uh, I, I could, I could take a day off without having to ask for it, you know, because I'm my own boss now. (laughs) So that's got its pluses and its cons because I also have to be my own motivator. I also have to make sure that I don't procrastinate because I don't, like I have yeah. to answer to myself, you know? And so that takes discipline. Uh, but man, it's been such a blessing for me and my family just to have more time together and, uh, be able to, you know, go out and, and watch a movie in the middle of the day if we want. And it's just been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. And what, what's really cool, uh, is we're actually going, as I alluded to earlier in the beginning of our talk, I'm going to be going to Florida for, for, a, for a vacation, but we actually go get a condo for, for four weeks on the beach. It's amazing. And through that, through that four-week mm-hmm. process, that four-week uh, time period, I have like five or six days when I first arrive where I unplug. I'm not doing anything. I'm just vacation mode you know but then after that yeah. while we're still there for another three weeks I'm, I'm traveling a lot that's my busy season of the year so I'll right. I'll travel a lot and more more than any other time during the year the summer is when I'm, I'm gone for four or five six seven days at a time and I'll come home for a day or two and I'm gone again so that's the hardest time for the family is when I'm gone for long periods of time and when I do come home I gotta go, go away again but That's kind of why we schedule the Florida thing, the beach thing for four weeks in the summer, because it's easier for the kids when they've got a beach and they got the ocean, they got the sand, you know, and then not only my wife, but, uh, my wife's parents. And, and, uh, so, so my in-laws are there, so it just makes it a little easier on the family. So that's really exciting. We're really excited Mm -hmm. to be able to have the opportunity, the blessing to be able to go
0: down there for a month. Yeah. Awesome. So we only have a few more moments together, and I really appreciate uh, everything that you've, you've kind of, you've said uh, so far in the episode. It's just been so good. I'm sitting here just taking so many notes, just so good. Um, but I want to know what's beautiful in your world right now. What's beautiful? Well, the sun
1: actually just came out, Miko. <laughs> so I know I know it was dreary, you know, and kind of rainy, but the sun came out, and so that's really beautiful. Another thing that's, uh, in all seriousness, what's really beautiful in my world is with this new role, uh, I I I'm loving just doing some things for fun. So you mentioned my my YouTube channel, my vlog earlier. Um, I've had such a blast just creating some things and, and really I'm just doing it because I want to be creative. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now I say that because there are some things that I'm doing now that uh, over the past several years I've wanted to do, but I just haven't had the time, you know? Okay. And so I'll, I hope I'm answering this question. Okay. Cause someone asked me recently, they didn't ask it in the same wording of what's beautiful, but they said, Hey, what's, what's something you're just having fun with right now? And yeah. I immediately just thought of. Just being able to film stuff. Miko, before I transitioned uh, to this full-time role uh, of being an evangelist, I had never used a camera. I had never uploaded a video to YouTube. I had never opened up uh, an editing program like Final Cut Pro or or, or Adobe Premiere. I had never done any of that. You you worked with me for for a number of years. You know, anytime technical stuff, I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) I I don't know any of that stuff. So I think what's been beautiful for me uh, recently is me just getting to learn some new stuff, to try some new things, to research camera equipment, to research how to edit, to to learn how to create something. I've just had a blast doing that. I'm not so much an artist when it comes to like, I've never been able to sit down with a pencil and some some markers and like create this beautiful portrait. I'm not that kind of an artist, but I love creating stories. I mean, I'm a communicator. I'm a preacher. You know, um, right. and I think a lot of the things that I'm really passionate about, they all speak to the same thing. And that's a really powerful point for people to take is that you you will find that you you don't just have to be locked into one thing. When you find what you're passionate about, you'll realize that most of the things that you do that you're really good at, they kind of focus around one thing. For me, it's a communication I'm a communicator. So whether I'm communicating through a sermon or communicating through a leadership talk or communicating on a podcast with you or communicating by creating a story on a video, showing what I did for three days as I was flying to a city and coming back, I just love, I just love to communicate. And that's been really beautiful for me. It's just to be creative
0: and create things. I love it. I love it. Final question. If you had one minute to address the world... All right, every single person on the planet were paying attention to you, no distractions. It's just you and the world. What would you say?
1: Wow, that's a really powerful question. I think I would say this. I would say the most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. I would say that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've heard from other people, seek it out for yourself. Don't just watch social media feeds and news feeds. Go seek out what you need to find about Jesus. If you don't believe in God, go find out for yourself if he's real or not. If you don't believe in the Christian faith, if you're uh, unsure of that, how much research have you done? I want to encourage the entire world, if I have their ear, to find out for themselves that Jesus Christ really was on this planet, that he really was the son of God, and that he really did die for you so that you could place faith in him because he didn't just die for you. He was resurrected for you so that you could have eternal life and not just eternal life so that you could live on forever, but also abundant life while you're here on earth. So that's my one minute speech, and let me explain why I said that, Miko, because I think it'll make more sense. When I felt God get my attention, after my friend had committed suicide and God got my attention, I was an unbeliever. Like, I didn't believe in God, and if there was a God, I really didn't care. But I somehow knew that God was trying to get my attention, right? When I changed my life and I moved and I began to go to church, I was the guy who was really skeptical and I needed to find out for myself why I was going to believe what I felt was the truth now. And so even though I felt like I had an encounter with God and I said, you know, I'm going to begin to walk this journey, I still wanted to learn for myself. So... That's why I would say that to the entire world, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's only one truth, right? But there's a lot of opinions and there's a lot of thoughts and there's a lot of, you know, sex of religion and Christianity and, you know, what's more important right now in the body of Christ. I just think people in general need to find for themselves Search for themselves what they believe. So that's why I would say it that way. I've always felt like, you know, even in Bible college, one of our teachers asked us one day, they said, if you could communicate one thing to the entire world, similar to the question you just asked me what would it be? And what would you do? And I said, I would put up a giant screen so big because she said no, 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 uh, no limitations, unlimited resources. I said, I would put these giant screens all over the planet and everybody would have the ability to hear uh, as well, whether it didn't matter if they had some kind of limitation, they were blind, they were deaf, everybody would be able to experience this message. And it would be a message, not only that Jesus died for your sins and that you should give your life to him so that you could live your life abundantly on earth and eternally in heaven. But also it would show the proof and the evidence of what Jesus was, who he was and what he did for us so that you would have the absolute facts and you would know that this was what was the truth and that you should, you should believe that because one of the most powerful things for me and I'm done was when I went to Bible college, we took a class called apologetics. And in that class, which is, if you don't know, apologetics comes from a word that is apologia, which really is the defense of your faith. And in that class, we learned about all major religions, and we also studied in depth the the proof and the evidence, archeological, historical evidence of the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, And also the fact that Jesus was a real person, that he actually died and rose again. And when we began to not only just hear the scriptures, but go into the deep study about what these other religions believe and what I believe and why I believe it, I was never more convinced that this is the truth and this is what I was going to devote my life to. And that's why I think I'm so passionate about being an evangelist is because I feel that my call is to take what I have found to be truth and to help others see that, and to help others grow stronger and closer to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.
0: <laughs> well, Daniel, just you know, real quick, I wanted to wanted to encourage you. Um, I I love you so much, and uh, you're one of my closest friends. And uh, one of the things that I I love about you, and this is just because I'm I'm kind of a weird dude, but. Um, <laughs> I love watching your process. I love watching you kind of, you know, jump in and out of these seasons that I've kind of been privy to, um, even from, you know, the background perspective. Um, it's just been so beautiful to watch you kind of engage life uh, and, and be brave in all of the decisions that you've, you've had to make. And, um, and your willingness to teach others um, through the processing, uh, that you've, you've had to go through Mm -hmm. and, uh, will continue to go through. And I, I I just love it. You know, I think about your, your YouTube Mm -hmm. channel and the vlogs and things like that. And I, you know, when I watch it, you know, I, I, I have a unique perspective, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Where I, you know, I know kind of background things to, to what's going on in, in those scenes, but watching you kind of live that stuff out, watching you preach on stage and, and live fully in that calling that the Lord has for you is so inspiring. It's so inspiring for me. And I'm sure so inspiring for so many people that are, that are watching, uh, you know, or taking part of that, that content that you're putting out there. So I just want to thank you so much for, coming on the show today and investing in, um, not only myself, but in the listeners. And, um, again, I just, I, I love you so, so very much, my friend, man, you know,
1: that means the world to me. I love you too, man. Uh, I think the world of you, you're an incredible friend, you're an incredible thinker. And, um, I just love you that you're doing this podcast. Cause I think so many people are going to be encouraged and so many people are going to be, um, really propelled I think into uh you know I love the even the name the altitude collective I think people are going to be propelled to a higher altitude because of what you're doing and um just uh it's just inspiring man I'm glad to call you friend I'm glad to uh have you as a Uh, a co-laborer in christ i'm glad to have you as uh, a brother man i appreciate you i love you love what you're doing on this podcast i think it's absolutely incredible i am going to be learning from you and when we get off this microphone i'm going to be calling you so i can learn how to get my podcast up and off the ground as well man because uh, you're just an inspiration bro appreciate you so much
0: All right, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you really enjoyed this time with Pastor Daniel. Next week, I'll be back with another really great conversation. And while you wait for that episode, do me a favor and subscribe and rate and leave a comment on whatever platform you listen to, The Altitude Collective. Your feedback helps get this podcast heard by others and allows me to connect with you. If you like the links or other information that we may have shared in this week's podcast, you can find all of it in the show notes for absolutely free. There is no charge. Be sure to share this episode with all of your besties, all of your best friends, all of the people that you love, every single person that you feel could get something out of today's show. And finally, make sure you're taking every opportunity to elevate the conversation by reaching a higher altitude. We'll talk soon.